Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby League Talks. I'm Keegs. This is Jacob. Um, and what a week. Bro. What a week. What two weeks. It's been yep, probably so. one of the most memorable periods in Rugby League for a while. Yeah, we had a lot of controversies. We won't speak about them. Uh, they've already been porked enough. Yeah, there's not really much more to add to that discussion. Um, uh, I'd rather talk about my forced dropouts and line engagements. Hey, you can't now because Toby Sexton hasn't. Yeah. Been yeah. All right. That's, that is our first thing to discuss today. Teamless Tuesday today. And oh boy. What? Okay. Oh boy. So I'm on, I'm at my dinner table, scrolling through, you know, get to the Titans game, expecting, not expecting a lot from them. And then I see. Two things. I see Greg Marju, our favorite Queensland winger, at 14. And then number 20, Toby Sexton. Now I thought, oh, fuck, does he have, does he have injury? Does he have an injury? Look through all the news. No. He's been dropped he's, to reserves. He's been dropped to reserves. He, it's so fascinating because I think for all the Sexton bagging that happens, I can't think of many players his age that have shown the promise he does in the really small areas. Because when you're looking at, like, we've spoken about this every week, the Titans one percenters. Yeah. They're, they're absolutely terrible. They, they're not chasing their kicks. They're not doing any of that. So all of the benefits you get of Sexton, like his gigantic kicks and everything, they don't really pop out to your more casual viewers. But he's leading, you know, this, that's, he's leading the, he's leading the NRL. Yeah. He's leading the NRL in force dropouts. That's, he's got 23 so far. And for comparison, in 2018, Jonathan Thurston had 25 the entire season, and he led the NRL. Sexton is at 23, and, you know, if he was named this week, he'd have plenty of games to spare. So that's... Second currently. I think it's Nico Hines with 20, which is also very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Also very impressive. Um, But it's... Obviously, Nico Hines is... He's... I think he was more of last year's breakout player, but this year he's mm. just gone up to another level. Uh, uh, I think um, the Sharks coach put it best. I'm sorry, mental break there. Craig Fitzgerald. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I agree. His kicking game and his game management ever since Origin Camp has been really good. Like he's learned a lot from Nathan Cleary. And he's next level. Yeah, he's getting better and better. Like he, um, a lot of people questioned, oh, how's he going to go from transitioning to one of the best fullbacks, fullbacks in the comp last year to now a halfback. And it's amazed everyone, you know. Um, honestly, Sharks are in the top four at the moment. Uh, no Will Kennedy this week. Um, they don't. Yeah, I was. They don't bring in Miller. I'll be, yeah, that's injured. That fascinated me as well. They've, they've obviously brought in uh, Dykes, who's going to be the debutante. Yep. Uh, which. Son of. That's. His father played for the Sharks. He was a 5'8". And yeah, he played a lot of, I think it was over 200 NRL games. Yeah, wow. So it's, it was pretty impressive. Um, it's just fascinating they don't bring in Miller when he ran for, it was 297 metres on his debut. So many kick returns. And he's been doing it every game in New South Wales Cup as well. That's, yeah, that's uh, interesting. Um, he has it is, yeah. Reserves, though. So, yeah, I think he's an injury replacement this week. Yeah. Uh, I've got Marzia 14. It's so 
with the context, Justin Holbrook, he coached a lot in the Super League. Uh, he was actually very successful in the Super League with my team over there at St. Helens. Now, it's it's a common thing over there for you to have these backline players on the bench. But is it really going to translate to an NRL level? Like, what's the plan for Marzu? Like, it's usually when you see backline players on the bench, that's always the question. It's what's the plan for them? Because if you're a backline player in the NRL, the assumption is that you play 80 minutes. Yeah. I have the so, same question for my Raiders every week. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> we finally have a solid interchange bench, in my opinion, uh, for Raiders. Yeah. But like you said, you know, before we were idiots uh, a couple of weeks ago and we said, oh, Greg Marju should play Origin. Queenslander. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how wrong we were. That it gets funnier every time. But, you know, he's great for tackle bus. He's great for. Uh, kick me to returns. Yeah, and please. I said to you before we started recording, the Super League is a lot slower than it is to the NRL from what I've seen. Yeah. And what you need is that like small little fellow around the ruck who can just gain some meters when the opposition forward's tied. You know, Tom Stalling yeah. is really good at that. Um, yeah. Walker. Yeah. Um, so maybe they bring... Um, Marju on for Aaron Clark at 13. Because honestly, no, I, I, I don't know Marju's ball playing skills, but like you could get some good meters out of him in the middle, I would say. You could. It's just very fascinating, their strategy, because Dylan Walker also had experience playing in the halves, in the centers. So he, he's more of a legitimate utility, whereas Marju, we've only ever seen him play wing. Uh, I think, and this is the point that I've raised and some other people have raised. So the Titans backline is they're atrocious defensively, oh, right? Yeah. Now, the biggest criticism of Marzu is that he can't defend. But no matter what the Titans do, they're going to feel the back five that can't really defend. Mm. Minus, say, Philip Sami, who I think is pretty solid. Yeah, he's been good. Um, yeah. So if they go if they're going to field a backline that can't defend, why not just go all out and name like Marzu and Corey Thompson? Because at the very least, at least we get field position off it. Yeah, that's true. Yep. And also on the times, I'm loving Aaron Clark at thirteen. Greatest move uh, they've made all season. Amazing. Aaron Booth so, not Tino Prop, Clarky, thirteen. Amazing. So with that, should we get into the games of the week? Yes, we should. So, uh, our first, a controversy-free game of the round. Um, nothing, nothing notable happened. No, seven people all got COVID at the same time. Yes, that's, yes, that's that, yeah. That, we'll, we'll work off that. Um, <laughs> the seven mainly infected players, that being already named. You can just look it up. I'm not naming. Yeah. Them. Um. I thought for what they were missing, they had good energy in both attack and defense for the first 20 minutes. That's yeah. Well. They, they really came out to play. You know, that's obviously it's important with the roosters of all team because you look at the players that they have, the players that they were feeling in the day. If if you let yourself to kind of get bullied by Collins and Maria Hargreaves, it's not going to be an easy night, especially when they've got Radley and Kiri who are able to ball play. Oh, so what they did to get themselves set up 
it was fantastic. Uh, I thought, especially early in the game. And if you look at your run meters and time possession, time in possession specifically, um, it was very similar. Both of them just sitting at around 28 meters, 28 minutes each. So yeah, average set distance, uh, roosters were only a couple of meters ahead. So if anything, that it, it shows that the four pack, they, they fly themselves up for it. Yeah. Um, I'll just like to say. Not a lot of people are going to give this bloke credit for it because he got bullied against Sharks. Morgan yeah. Harper crept, kept Manu pretty quiet within the first 20 minutes. He did. I thought I thought that was a very good defensive game from Morgan Harper. Yeah. Um, in particular, I think one of the opening tries was where his centre, I'm not sure if it was Seki or if it was Smalley, but they, they didn't really follow Harper's decision. Mm. Uh, Harper's, his actual reads, I thought they were very solid. Um, on the night, you know, it's for a guy that's been mostly because of that game against Talakai considered a defensive liability. I think that he actually had a very solid game yeah. and uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if he does it again, because Manu had a lot of ball throughout the game and to keep Manu quiet for yeah. a quarter of the game, it's pretty solid. You know, he's still ripped and teared at some points, but. Credit to Harper in this instance, I say. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, Manu, he touched the ball 25 times in that game, which that's, it's a lot for a center. It's, yeah, it's a lot for a center. You know, for example, we look at someone like Staggs who gets it like maybe 13 times a game. And, you know, also something, just a quick note on Staggs. A lot of people seem to attribute him running the ball more in the halfway through point of the year to him getting the ball more statistically, that's not actually true. So that's, that's just your Katani Stags fun fact. But yeah, I also thought that DCE was managing things very well. He didn't let, he didn't let his team get bullied. Basically they, <clears throat> there was one line engagement where he had plenty of energy gets across the line through that inside ball. The forwards were running good lines. Put simply, they, they came out to play. They were doing all the really little things really well. And, you know, Roosters, they have some solid players, and we'll talk about Roosters now. Tedesco, he, I said... He does it every week. I said uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, it's him and Hunt. Him and Hunt now for Dally M. You know, yep. Teddy, he plays like a full, he, he's a fullback, but he plays like a halfback as well. He's short kicking game. Yeah. Like just. It's. And he's got something else. He's one of. Insane. So in one of Teddy's first games for the Roosters, the commentators were talking about him and Turbo. This would have been around 20, 18 or 19. I'm not sure. It would have been um, 17, 18 because they won the comp 18, 19. Yeah. So what they said was that the better ball playing fullback was Turbo and that the better running fullback was Tedesco. <laughs> now, when you look at how both of them have developed their games since, Turbo obviously is a fantastic ball player, but Tedesco, as you mentioned, it's like he's a halfback. He, last year when you had Kiri's injury and Sam Walker came into the seven jumper, Tedesco was playing so much first receiver and Aside from maybe Drinkwater, 
I can't think of many fullbacks that play first receiver as much as him, at least based off the eye test. He just constantly gets involved and, you know, it's good involvements. He, he digs straight into the line. Defences, they're constantly wary about him bursting through the middle because, you know, he's got spiders on him, basically. That's what you say. You can't tackle him. No. So, and it's just, it's ridiculous. And he gets those quick play the balls too. You really can't. Like, how's this for unpredictability? He touched the ball 36 times and passed it 17 times. So you really don't know if he's running or passing. You just, you well and truly don't know. He's an absolutely fantastic player. He, there's really not much more that you can say for James Sadesco. He's just out and out the best fullback in the comp. It's not even close. Um, it's him and Daylight. I must say, though, the Roosters, they did have some shining moments. Mm. Second half, they weren't too good. You know, they had a lot of... Um, they weren't getting as many points as they should have. And Yeah. You know, I'll speak about this now because we're coming up in the game. You know, Hargreaves gets a fine for his contact on... Yeah, um, I was not happy with that. And then I, Matt logged a couple of weeks ago. If there's some... If there's one thing, the NRL, if one thing Peter Volandis has to look at this off-season coming up, is to get the fucking judiciary sorted. I know, like... Yeah, it's... You have Nass, you know, just dropping an elbow into a bloke's jaw, and then you have Josh King, who does an eye gouge, and then doesn't get anything for it. I think, was it Waddell? Waddell gets five weeks for the same thing. Yeah, it's... This is ridiculous. This is bull, like... Honestly, yes. there's no consistency in the in suspensions or fines. You know, um, yeah, Nas has five dangerous contacts this year. They've all been fines. He hasn't missed a single game because of them. Yeah, and it's when you look at because I can't remember if this was the Nas or the Rio Hargreaves one. I think it was Nas one. But he he goes to the elbow, but it's not just any elbow. He gets it there as the guy is making contact towards the ground. Mm. Like there's extra leverage on it and, you know, when you have that extra leverage, that that's obviously bad in terms of concussions, in terms of the amount of force that's hitting there. And it's just such a grubby axe. Like I get that there's always going to be niggle in the game. You know, there's pretty much every tackle in the NRL, I reckon there's some sort of hinge to the face or whatever. Mm. But when you're doing it so blatantly as to just, just cause harm, Really, it, geez, like you really got to wonder when they kind of crack down on that because we always have these random crackdowns on things that are just a bit silly. Like, remember Magic Round where we've got guys making the most incidental contact with the head and um, off of a game? Yeah, exactly. And then you've got, you know, situations like this that probably had much more intent to them. And they kind of just get let off, you know, like there wasn't a binning or anything. And then you've got things like the hair pull on Luciano Lelua. Yeah. Which was, I, yeah, I personally, I know that I'm saying this because I'm a Cowboys fan, but if it, if any other player in the NRL had their hair pulled, I personally would be okay with it being a bin because it's, it's just getting into professional foul territory. Yeah. Like, come on, it's it's an automatic bin in the women's game mm. if you pull someone's hair. 
So I wouldn't mind that being in the NRL, especially because when you understand that some players growing their hair out, it's like it's a really significant thing for them. It's and also for the past, it bloody hurts. Yeah, it but yeah, I've had my it, 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 it doesn't it doesn't bloody feel good, you know. But it's it's. Ugh. I just look at this last week and I go, what is happening? Like, Paddy Cowgan, he doesn't get a charge. He has to go do the judiciary tonight on his yeah. on Jackson Hastings. That is literally Which, no consistency. You know, Thomas Slegler, he did a hit drop um, in round two, I think it was. He got two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Straight up. I, he didn't have to go to the I wouldn't mind... I wouldn't mind seeing Carrigan get a decent suspension for that. I don't think Carrigan's a bad bloke or a grub. Yeah. But when you look at the amount of force that's going in, yeah, like it's. I just think that the tackling technique in itself, because obviously you try and get low when you're tackling people, you try and get to the ground, and certain things can happen. But I think hip drops, especially this year, when you see the amount of damage that they've caused with some players, I think it's something that probably should just be stamped out of the game. uh, Who was it? Was it Hayes Dunster? In yeah, yeah. ACL, ACL and MCL. Yeah, that was that was an ugly injury. Yeah. Um, but look. And obviously now we look at Hastings, who is, quite frankly, obviously the most important player for the Tigers. Mm. They're trying to avoid the spoon. So it's, yeah. I, I mean, as the, as the law student on this podcast, I probably should know a bit more about the NRL judiciary. But it, it just confuses me how it, how we get the results that come out of it. Yeah. I think the one thing they did get right was the Cleary five weeks. I'm okay with that. Oh, I agree. I also want to say, I think Cleary handled it like a champ afterwards. Yeah. Uh, the teams, yeah, the teams didn't even fight. Yeah. The, the first thing that Cleary did was tap Brown on the back and say, oh, I'm sorry, mate. The teams didn't fight. They understood that it wasn't like a dirty play. Um, and Cleary went off disappointed. He accepted it. He owned it. Someone yeah. said... I think it, it may, I think it was Freddie. Mm. Don't correct me on it. Like, I, I yeah. someone did say this, but I don't think it was Freddie. Um, a player like that shouldn't miss out on that long of a suspension. Yeah. Because that's... of this. And I'm like, I'll have to find the nah. quote. Let me find the quote for everyone. Yeah. I, th- I think that, can't agree with that. I don't, because it's setting the precedent. It's like saying, "Yeah, exactly." This can happen to Nathan Cleary. This can happen to me. You know, it's say that no one is going to be protected in this instance. You know, Carl Lawton got five weeks for his tackle on Cameron Murray, and so yeah. do it now. So, yeah, I like I like that because we've just criticised the judiciary for lack of consistency, but at least they're showing consistency in this area. Um, I can't find it on the NRL app, but I'm sure someone said it. If not, I'm sorry, and I'm making stuff up, and I should not. Yeah. <laughs> so, next. on to this next. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I have a strong opinion on this. I think the Warriors were a better side in this game than the Storm. That's, I think, yeah, I think for a lot of the time, I might agree with that. When you're looking at how they were building up their field position, I thought it was, despite some of their weaknesses in fifth tackle options, which oh, that was kind of 
continue to be a thing for them. I think that the past two weeks we've seen John Johnson kind of step up a bit. Um, I thought he was much more creative, more confident, I guess. Um, he was engaging the line. He was getting involved. He was basically just doing everything he could. Um, but it was also fantastic to see Ed Cosey uh, get the hat trick, uh, especially because he was bagged so much for that last game that he played against the Storm. And yeah. 72 points, you know, they considered that game. Yeah, it was... How many were close to that this game? Yeah, it was pretty dire. Um, and this game was pretty eventful too because we saw the injury of Chanel Harris to Vita again. Um, Wade Egan. Wade Egan, I I really like Wade Egan. You know, he's great. Same. Dummy half service, he's really good. But his running game is what makes him really, really good in my opinion. Mm. You know, when you can bust, when you have so so big forwards like Harris, AFB, um, you know, you have Darmus Louis there sometimes, Josh Cohen, and you play on the front foot of those blokes. Um, Raid can just slice through them. And then you, if that happens, you can have SJ at the back of that, just like creating shape off of it. Um, I think him going to 5'8 was okay. Like he got, got him to run the ball a lot more. However, what I think was like better, what would have been better, you keep Raid at hooker, you move yeah. um, Reese Walsh to 5'8", and then you move DWZ to fullback. You know, DWZ yeah. um underrated in my opinion because he, the physicality he brings off kick meter returns and just getting oh, yeah. the ball, it's really good for the Warriors. Um, and just to have his hands on the ball a lot more would be really good for them. Uh, Walsh, another great attacking weapon that they'll sadly lose um, by the season. He's going to Broncos. Yeah. I think if you have SJ7, Walsh6, DWZ1, and Egan9, that's a solid spine. Yeah, well, considering the situation that they were in um, with CHT going down... Which is kind of sad because he, he's one of those blokes that just really gives it his all. Yeah. Um, but it happens. I, I thought Egan was okay at six. Kicking he, game, that's where it needs work. Yeah. He's obviously, he's going to need work on his kicking game. But I think if he does work on that kicking game and he does continue to be a six, uh, at least until CHT is good, that could also bring some like a new element of his game to his play at hooker. Because yeah. a hooker that can kick, it's a very handy thing to have, especially when they're playing eyes up. Weekly apology to Matty Johns. And they're spotting where the wingers are. I think uh, Marnie is a key instance of that. His kicking game's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's fantastic. Honestly, who partners SJ next year? You know, I don't think uh, someone said Krusty won't be staying. Yeah. You got Volkman there. Um, what's the outfit? Yeah, well, it's does is Assi going to be there next year? When does his contract expire? Because I don't think they've renewed him. Um, Volkman, Volkman should be there. Yeah, I think I think he will. Yeah, exactly. So I think they've probably made the decision with going with Volkman, which I think I think that's pretty respectable. He gets all right first contact on his tackles. Passes the ball well, digs into the line. 
good to um, Correct. Yeah. But it's it's a bit sad seeing RC be the man out. And honestly, I would have liked to see him be the six this week because when he is playing, I think he's absolutely fantastic. He 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 doesn't get the ball much. He's not a very involved five eight, but when he does have the ball in hand, his decision making, you know, he he's one of those guys where it just feels like every time they throw a short ball, they get it right, and that's a really underestimated thing that people have because lots of times they can't really do it. You know, you you see so many short balls that just bounce off the shoulders or they just throw it directly into a man where there's an overlap and they miss the opportunity. But he's one of those guys where he just gets guys to burst over. And we saw it in the preseason for the Cowboys, and we see it now that he's at the Warriors. Um, RC is only contracted for this year. Wow. And then you also have Dylan Walker going. You have Johnny yeah. Nickel Klostad going. Wow. So that's, I hope he gets an NRL deal because he, he is one hell of a talented player. His kicking game as well. I think he, he's got a fantastic torpedo and it's not, it's not like the Burton style torpedo where it, it's just really high and like clean. It's, it's one of those really nasty Milford style torpedoes where it wobbles a bit and you know, those things are a nightmare to catch. And he puts massive distance on the ball. He, I see, he's just tackles well. I could go on for days about how good of a player he is. I personally wouldn't have minded if we didn't get Dearden early, if we saw Assey play seven for the Cowboys. Wow, that's a big thing coming from you. You're a massive Tom Dearden fan. Yeah, well, I'm saying if we didn't get Dearden, I would have been happy seeing Assey play because his kicking is tackling his reads in attack especially because that's something you don't see from young players often you don't see them have that kind of vision that he tends to have with his passing so especially i would i personally would like to see him come to the cowboys as a backup half we need to bring him back bring it bring him back backup halves we do we do have been really and that's the person yeah you can move drinking back to six and then you know, have like hammer at one, but that, that reshapes your whole spine. So yeah. sign Assey, have him as a backup. If, if Tom Dearden's getting called into the origin squad as often as he is, then you, you know, you get origin time. It's who knows. It's you know, the very, I just realized we have Berkey. Here. We do have Berkey. We, yeah, but that's the thing. Cause Berkey, we, we don't really seem to keen on picking him in the first grade side. Yeah, that's interesting. Why would you add him to the top 30? I think just in case, just to have him training with the top 30. Yeah. He is, Same yeah, it puts, it puts a lot of trust in him to be able to say, hey, you're part of the top 30, you're part of the, the big boy Cowboys. Now, the game after that. Oh, that's, what are we, how's this? Okay, so how's that? This is supposed to be the game of the round, you would say. You know, Panthers got beat for the first time against Parramatta, and the beat got beat second time by Parramatta. Yeah, wow. Uh, we spoke about earlier. Clearly handed that like a champ. Yeah, that seems did. 
and yeah, because there was no there was no biff, there was no argy bargy. It was just the moment Cleary made the tackle that he got sent off for. Mm. The first thing he did was he realized he messed up. He went straight to Brown, apologized. The teams they weren't fighting, and you know when it's a rivalry game at Bankwest like this was uh, Combank, it's you know packed crowd, twenty six thousand people, twenty seven thousand. It's very easy for that to descend into a massive fight, oh. but it didn't because you can see that you know Cleary had genuine remorse, and it wasn't like some thing where he raged and you know calmed down later. The entire process, he was he was calm, he was filthy with himself. You can see what he posted on Instagram where he said that he knew the technique was wrong and he apologized. He, he, he's just handled it with so much maturity. Yeah, really, really good. It's, yeah, it's that's as good as a guy really could handle it. But other than that, I think there were some other takeaways from this game that were really, really interesting. Now, yeah, um, sorry to step in here. Jacob and I are going to introduce throughout while we talk our player of the round. Uh, this game has my hmm. player of the round. Uh, I would have picked the other person, but Jacob had, took him and I wanted to be, wanted yeah. to be separate. But um, I think we'll mention both. Uh, we'll mention yeah. my one first and then when the game comes, we'll mention yours. Yeah. Mitchell Moses' kicking game. This is my player of the round, Mitchell Moses. It was... Really, really good. There are there are players that don't really have that fantastic game awareness and make some suspicious decisions. For example, we spoke about Luke Brooks when he was a man down mm. and the decision-making of him. Now, when you're a man up, it's obviously you're rolling downhill. That's some good news for your team. But Mitch Moses, he just had it on a dime. Yep. He just he knew exactly what he was doing constantly looking up he just had absolutely fantastic vision and 40 20 he kicked changed the game was that that was clearly got set though i think it was after after um because yeah exactly because when you get yourself downfield like that is such it's a major psychological blow Mm. to the other team as well and he's kicking and they're winning the kicking yeah, exactly. And there's, because he kicked two 40-20s in that game. You know, for some players, two 40-20s in an entire season, they're happy with. But the fact Moses did two of them in a game is pretty fantastic. And you can look at the diversity of his kicking as well. Two 40-20s, two bombs, three grubbers, two of them where he forced dropouts. He was just crafty. He was just building pressure the entire time. Like, I came into this, uh, Saturday morning, I was thinking, what, what, what did I say about this game in the potty? I say, cause I said, uh, the night previously, you know, they have to have, it's the time for them to perform now. They have to have good. They have to have that determination. Mm. That game showed that they did. And I was like, fuck yeah, oh, let's yeah. go, let's go power matter. You know, let's get in. <laughs> An hour later, uh, news breaks that. Moses has broken his finger and he's out for three to four weeks. And oh, like, that's slopes can't catch a break. Like, yeah, no, it's once have... again, it speaks to the toughness and character of Moses because this is the second time that he's faced some sort of injury and just kept playing through it. See, there was the cracked vertebrae in Origin game three last year. 
how did he keep playing on? Holy crap. Yeah, mate, that something else. And then obviously his, with his finger again, he just gets so pumped for it, for the game, and he just keeps playing. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing what he can do. Like a lot of people give him shit. I give him shit. Um, because like, I just, he can be a bit whingy at times, you know, I think everyone can be. Yeah. Um, but looking at this next month, power matter, it's going to be, I don't want to say tough because they can pull it out. I think they can pull anything out of the bag and just like play footy. Yeah. You know, Dylan Brown, I said, said Friday as well, his, his games improved a lot. Um, yeah. But, um, as a ball player, especially. But you're coming into that. this next three weeks. You know, a lot of Parramatta fans don't like this bloke, but Jake Arthur, Jake Arthur's got a lot of pressure coming onto him. And I feel, I feel sorry for him. Um, yeah. What I want to, like, you look at this side now, you know, like, you know, losing Moses, big blow. Mm. But now you got Dylan Brown, who needs to step up. And this will test his character. This will test where he yeah. is currently as a ball player. I think... You know, Moses, uh, sorry, Brown has, he's been there all season. I don't think he's missed mm. a single game, so he'll know what to do. Um, I think him and Guffo definitely lead the team around as in plays and that, and then that, uh, something that people don't give Jake Arthur credit for is his short kicking game mm. and how he can, how fast he's around the ruck and what he can see. He can play eyes up footy. Yeah. So him and Marnie together. You know, Marnie's kicking game, Arthur's kicking game, and how they can see eyes up what to do. I think it's going to be really good. And it, once again, it will test Brown this, this next period. Yeah. I, I personally, I'm, I'm actually very, I like Jake Arthur. I, I wouldn't go as far to say that he's an NRL level half at the moment. Um, I don't think many people are at his age. Agreed. But what I will say is Jordan Rankin, who's currently not just the captain, but the captain coach of the Eels, New South Wales Cup team, has described Jake Arthur as the hardest working player he's ever been on the team with. And when you consider Jordan Rankin's experience, you know, he's played in the NRL for a few teams. He's gone to the Super League. He played over there. He came back. He's the coach. Yeah. For him to say that he's a player and a coach, captain coach, it's so for him to give that um, rap on Jake Arthur, that's that's a pretty big deal, me, I think. And when you see Jake Arthur, he has only played in the halves twice this year. And in both of those games, he was very involved. He touched the ball. 42 times and then 51 times as games. He forced a drop out in both of them. He forced two against the Cowboys, actually. One against the Knights the week before. I think that people don't really understand what he's good at because they don't watch him in New South Wales Cup every week. And if you watch him in New South Wales Cup, you know that he's absolutely carving it up there. He, he's got fantastic vision. He has that same ability that Cherry Evans has, not, not in the midfield on shifts like Cherry Evans, but he knows when to hit his center. 
So there's a lot of good plays that he doesn't really get credited for. There's, I'll read out his knock-on effect stats for this year. Pretty impressive. He's played 10 games. He's forced nine dropouts, set up 11 tries, uh, set up eight line breaks. So that's, that's pretty impressive, obviously. And, you know, there's games like against the Raiders where they won 30 to 28, where he set up three tries. <laughs> there's, uh, I'm not, I'm not mentioning that because you're the Raiders fan. I'm mentioning that because it's, you know, in those close games, he's able to really step up, uh, in the New South Wales Cup level. And considering that he's 19, most kids his age, you know, if they're in Queensland, they'd be playing Hastings, Deering's Colts. Yeah. They wouldn't even be near a new cup or a New South Wales Cup team. So for him to be playing at that level, that's, that's pretty, I reckon that his talent there combined with the rap that Jordan Rankin has given on him. I feel pretty optimistic for Jake Arthur. I think he's, he's a really weird build for a half. It'll be interesting to see how it translates to an NRL level because he's, he's very lanky. He's 188 centimetres. Um, but I, I think it'll be interesting. I think he's got the wits about him. I think he's got the work ethic about him. And I, I'm rooting for him. Um, so to interrupt, we've got breaking news. Patrick Carrigan banned for four matches. I'm okay with that. Honestly, I don't uh, see any big uproar about it. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty, yeah, considering that, um, yeah, considering the impacts that it has to Hastings and considering the fact that it was just a very nasty tackle in itself, not to say that it was intentional or anything because, you know, you've spoken about Kagan before. He's just a nice bloke all around in person. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's a grub, but I think that four weeks is pretty reasonable for considering oh. that type of tackle. And once again, since he's yeah, exactly. It sends that message to other players like, hey, don't don't do these tackles because they're, they're causing lots of injuries. We don't want them. Um, we'll go back to Panthers now. Uh, we'll speak yep. briefly about the Panthers because I don't think there's a lot yeah. to speak about as considering yeah. they're down. They Pretty much. The team got red to crap. Uh, it, not to say like really shitty as in their game plan went to crap. Um. I would yeah, say, exactly. Despite Dylan Edwards, um, fuck, I'll say it again. He's the most underrated fullback. Everyone's he is brilliant. He he had the most runs for any Panthers player on the field, two hundred and sixty-eight. And I fantastic him quite during that game because where's it returns it. I'm on my phone, so it doesn't have to get returns, I don't think. Um, 86 post-contact meters, three tackle breaks, two line breaks. That's... Hell of a game. Hell of a game. He's only like of one of three Panthers who didn't get selected for a rep team over the uh, representative round. So that's... Yeah, it was fascinating that we didn't even see him in the New South Wales squad at all. Because obviously James Silesco is, he deserves to be that fullback no matter what. But, you know, it's at some stage, some something could happen to James Silesco. You know, he could get COVID, he could be injured, who knows. And when that happens, because, you know, he's a very durable player. But anything could happen. Yeah. 
hundred percent. Um, is there anything you'd like to say before we move on to the next game? Uh, I thought Sean O'Sullivan was pretty good. Um, yeah, so him considering that him and Salmon playing. Yeah, I I didn't expect the combination to work as well as it did uh, while they were still well, they had the man, but it was very promising from Sean O'Sullivan. I think his kicking is very nice. He he seems to get on a platter. He's got this weird kicking technique about him. Not that the technique is any different to anyone else's, but some players, when they kick the ball, it feels like they have a bigger range of motion to others. And other players have like these weird idiosyncrasies. I don't know if you've ever seen Jake Clifford kick, but when he kicks his um, short kicks, it looks like he kind of scoops the ball with his foot. Interesting. Okay. Versus some players who kind of swing their foot through or they kind of chip at it. But he, him and Luai, they both have like this scooping motion on their short kicks where they do these chip bombs. Yeah, it's very fascinating. And O'Sullivan, he, he for some reason, he, his kicking just looks a little bit different to some other players. I don't know if it's because his arms are a bit longer than some other halves by the looks of it. But it's, it's very fascinating, and he's, he's still a good kicker in spite of it. I actually, I really liked what I saw from him, and I'm actually quite excited to see how he goes uh, with Anthony Milford next year at the Dolphins behind that forward pack. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. Um, but like Sullivan, he, he gets in there and he does a job, and I think that's what really defines him as a player, gets the job done. Yeah, well, he's only 23. But he, obviously, the fact that he's spent this year behind Cleary and, you know, you'd hope that he's at training asking Cleary things because we saw the massive impacts that that's had for Nico Hines. So, honestly, pretty promising, I reckon. I, I'm very excited and Wayne Bennett's always wanted to coach him, he said. So, you know, if Wayne Bennett wants to coach you, that's pretty... That's a big up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm very excited to see it. He's only 23, like I said. So he's he's got some time to develop. I think Sean O'Sullivan can be pretty serviceable. Right. I. Um, moving on. Titans versus Amber. But you're happy about this one. Yes, I am. Yes and no. I would say, to be honest. Hmm. Um, start with the bad news. What, what's the no? So not to be a, not to be a peepee ants, I would say defense, 44 missed tackles, Mm. you know, um, I just, whenever I see a tackle count go above 30, I instantly get disappointed. 30, I can manage. You know, 44. Yeah. Uh, get you a bit close to the edge of, you know, dumb stuff. 10 errors, yeah. six penalties conceded, one sin bin. We'll talk about sin bin in a second. That's sin bin. I, I think we have different opinions on that one. Uh, this the Tarpany one? The Tarpany one, yeah. Yeah, we probably would have different opinions on that one, I think. So, I would like, get to the good news. We'll do that. This left edge of the Raiders is really 
I love them. You know, you got uh, Kotrick, Sebastian Chris, Hudson Young, and Jack Whiten. Hudson Young, he has been so good this season in second row. He can create for himself. Um, he can just barge off plays. He can run the ball really hard. I also say Sebastian Chris, uh, a shining light uh, in previous games when we were losing. Also, Nick Kotrick, the speed, uh, the strength of him to get over that line a couple of times was outstanding. You know, there's one bad pass. I think it was from Chris. It went to Kotrick's hip. Kotrick just, you know, stuck his hand on the ball and just ran and he scored a try. I'd also... He had 52 post-contact meters, 157 all-run meters. Wow. Six tackle breaks, two line breaks. A pretty big game. Yeah. A pretty big game. And I think it's it's nothing new from Chotter. It's I think that... I don't know about saying 2019 form directly, but I think he's he's showing some very good form this year. When you're looking at just his ability to do the basics, I think he's absolutely fantastic when it comes to taking carries out of his own end. He just, he muscles straight through them. His upper body contact is so good. He reminds me a bit of Corey Oates in that regard, except he's much more athletic. Like, yeah, I can say that. Yep. Um, I'd also like to say Jack Whiten. A big thing, what we lost last year, I think that's why we did so poorly last year, was, you know, the Georgie Williams situation, the Curtis Scott situation, uh, the Bateman situation. Yeah. The year prior didn't help either, I would say. But There's so much happening around that team. It all led on Jack. And yeah, everyone was saying, oh, you know, Jack Wayne is so good. Former Dalian player of the year. Yeah, he, he is really good. But what made him so good is that he had a halfback that could kick. And, you know, last yeah. year, his kicking wasn't, he, it wasn't good. But now you have Jack and his kicking has gotten so much better. You know, uh, the game yeah. against, I think, who was it against? It was Warriors. He kicks two forty twenties, And yeah, um, his long kicking game has gotten a lot better. His bombs have gotten better. And they, people actually struggle to catch him. Yeah, no, well, it's the accuracy of them too. And because, you know, they're getting them into that field position. And so I never really thought of Jack Wyden as a field position player. He he always came across, and I, I guess it's because he was, he was that kind of player that you threw into your attacking zone when your team was on the front foot and he'd come back with something great. But I think that experience of last year where he's been that main guy has probably helped him to realize what he does need to do for the team. And now that obviously he's paired with Fogarty, who has his own separate role, it's they complement each other really well. 100%. And you know, what also makes him great when he's on the front foot, like you said, yeah, front foot player, 124 run meters, 28 post-contact, six tackle breaks, three linebacker assists. Yeah, well, those tackle breaks, that's... He's a great he's, runner. Yeah, and it's, you know, he's... Obviously, he's a very big frame. He, he used to play fullback. 
And he was fantastic at fullback and he's fantastic at 5'8 now. I, he's just one of those guys that just steps up no matter what his job is. Mm. And obviously we're looking at those line breaks, assists. That's fantastic, especially when you look at the kind of guys that they have on that team. Because and on both sides of the field, they have second rowers that are running fantastic lines. Well, it's, I don't know about Whitehead, but when they were playing Harawe Renaira, he, he was their best line runner, I thought. And now that you've got Hudson Young, he's running a fantastic line. Yep. Like you said, that left side attack, there's so much potency in it. And especially when you've got those big bodies like Chris, then you've got Chotris on the outside of him. Mm. It's just fantastic, really. And it all complements so well. And because of that balance of what they have, because on the other side of the field, you've got Timoko and you've got Hopawati uh, in that game. So they, it's really just that balance. Mm. And it, it lets Jackie do what he does best. And, you know, the team, even when they're not on the front foot, like we talk about that game against the Warriors, he really had to step up. Oh, 100%. And he did. So that's Jack Wine. I think he's one of those sleeper players. People aren't going to talk about him being in Delhi and contention or anything like that. Okay. But, yeah, the, the contributions that he's made to this Raiders team are undeniable. And I think as much as I've criticized Fogarty, you know, just watching games where I've been like, oh, he's running across all his line runners. Why is he doing that? His attitude and professionalism, based on what we know, is absolutely fantastic. Then he reminds me of kind of like the Raiders version of Chad Townsend in that regard, <laughs> where, you know, I've, I've joked about how Tom Dearden has almost as many first grade games as him, but the maturity of Fogarty, because we saw there was an article that came out a couple of days ago where he basically did an interview and he was urging Titans fans to get behind Toby Sexton. And he was talking about how Toby Sexton should be the long-term half of the Titans, how he could play 200 games for them. And that's such a massive rap from Fogarty. And it's great to see him giving that support to young Toby. So it just speaks volumes to the maturity of Fogarty and, you know, the calming influence that he has on that team. And it lets Jack do what he does best. And it's probably one of the things I've loved enjoying about the Raiders. Because even if you have those halves like Townsend or Fogarty, who, you know, they're not always going to be making those Thurston style, just 110% amazing reads. They're not going to be kicking 40-20s or field position like they're Nathan Cleary. But that influence they bring to the team just through their attitude and professionalism can help make everyone around them better. Hundred percent. You know, uh, I've criticised Fogarty in the past. Uh, his kicking game when he first came back from that. Uh, it's a bit shaky. It was a bit shaky. Yeah. Um, but now he's really improved. Uh, he was. Yeah, I think he was good on the weekend. You know, there's still yeah. times when he makes a mistake. I'm like, fuck. Like that's where. I yeah, go. but he. I'm that kind of. You. I was like, oh, I swear a lot when I watch Fogarty. Yeah, I need to stop. Yeah. But, well, the thing is that. He doesn't disappear and fade out when he makes mistakes. He defends them. Yep. He's got the good attitude. He sticks around. He just keeps playing, keeps his head up. And it's it's what you need in a halfback because, you know, they're, they're the first people that are going to be touching the ball. They're the quarterbacks. They steer the team around. And if they're not calm, if they're a bit frigid, 
the whole team will be a bit like that. Yeah, and, you know, when I've seen the Raiders play in person, uh, you know, Foggy wasn't playing that game, but you know who spoke up? It was, you know, I'm sitting on the 20-meter line. The boys just got scored on by uh, the opposition. And the only person I'm hearing is Jack White and speaking like, Captain Maine, you're speaking like a trooper. But good on, like, that's what I love about yeah. him. Like, yeah. he speaks so much on the field. Um, you know, I don't like to criticize players, as you know. I, I do time to time when they need to be criticized. I I love all my boys on the Raiders side, but mm. what I cannot stand is when people put their heads down, they put their hands behind their back, Better start, and they go on there. They go, like they squat down. I'm like, why the fuck are you doing that? Because yeah, it's the first body language team's gonna run at is you. You need to be better in that regard. And I'm sorry, whoever is a fan of this bloke, but Alia Whitehead is the worst offender for it. He did it when I saw them play. Hit, I could count maybe six times. He did it in one game. He did it six times. Then I. Nano's going to bloody run at you like hell. Talakai's going to run at you. Like, you're just asking to get scored on at that point because they're just going to keep running at you. And you're just going to get tighter and tighter. Yeah, well, that's kind of what's puzzled me over the past few weeks with how Corey Harawaya and Dyer has been used because he he could easily be a starting second rower. Oh, I would love to he's got, Corey to be a starting second rower. He's, his line running is fantastic. He, and considering that he'll be paired with Fogarty, if going to widen, if that side is somehow shut down, and then you have Fogarty spotting the numbers, if he goes to Harawir and Naira, that's, it's three metres. He's just, he runs such a good line. 100%. Um, we'll now move on to a little, uh, little argument we may have. No, not an argument, a discussion. Simple. Yeah. Yes. You said in the Cowboys group chat that, okay, what, what did you say exactly about the Tarpany situation? Oh, uh, look, I, the fact that Aaron Booth was on the ground and that's when Tarpany, cause I thought Tarpany, he was moving upwards when the tackle happened mm. and that's not like, obviously you've got to be careful when you're tackling guys. Yeah. I would have if that was a penalty, I probably would have been like, oh, but it's, it's a 50-50 call. However, Tarpany's reaction to it, where he's just gone swinging, hitting, I getting the hand in the face of Boost, where he's on the ground. That is so dumb, that, Tarpany. Yeah, I, that was what I had the issue with. They did defend 10 minutes without Tarpany, one of our best players. They did. They did, and Tarpany, he's an immense player, and he was immense in that game. He always is. Yeah, he, he's one of the best. Still scored. Yeah, he's one of the best middle forwards in the comp. And I I remember watching him in the Indigenous All-Stars game at the start of the year, mm-hmm. and I thought, wow, this he's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, but he always fires up for those games. I didn't know if he was going to bring that same fire to club level. 
but he has, and he's really gone above and beyond. I'm so and it's also, I think the Raiders, I think they're turning around a fair bit They're if you look over the next few years, a lot of their core is pretty young. You're going to see Savage, his, he should be getting better. Yeah. It uh, just, his body looks like he's going to, he's very fragile from what it appears. Like he's always hobbling. Yeah. And the commentators mention it every time. I'm like, bro. Yeah, he, it does feel like he cops it a fair bit, which is a very stark comparison to CNK, who is a massive, powerful body who kind of just runs over whoever. But, you know, I've got faith in Savage. I think he's going to, I think he's going to turn around and you look at how young the rest of their core is. Obviously you've got their, um, Booker, he, he's pretty young. Then you've got Starling coming off the bench. Uh, Fogarty, he, I think he's like 28. I don't know how old he is. Yeah, he's, but he's late twenties. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is 28. He's got a few years left in him. You've got Brad Schneider, who is captaining the New South Wales Cup team and has already gotten some first-grade experience this year. He was pretty solid. I love Brad. I bloody love Schneider. His vision for a half his age is absolutely astounding. He just, he knows how to hit the right guy. I I, I think I bring that down to who he played with uh, in, like, his last two years of schooling. Yeah. Uh, I... I, I, I've seen him play in person, uh, when he was at, still at schoolboys level. Yeah. He absolutely, absolutely dominated my team. You know, this is a team that I've been with for like so many years. Yeah. And that team, ready? See if you can spot any like big names. Adrian yeah. Travoli has played yeah. in your role. Dudley. Dudley. Yeah. Ragsy. Uh, Harley Taylor. He's a big kicker. Jeremiah Nanai. Ooh. That's five blokes, including uh, plus Snyder, who all played for the one team. Yeah, that's, that speaks to how big of a talent pool that North Queensland is. And I, I'll have to look at the team list again, but there's so many contracted players in those two years. And uh, if you know anything about who who these boys were, uh, they were the current bears and oh, fun fact, Jeremiah Nanai nearly killed me once, uh, not, so I was on the sideline doing like ball boy in water and he throws a cutout pass to, uh, I think it was Dudley. Misses Dudley, and it comes straight up my head. And then the second time, the same game, it he does it again. It hits Dudley, but then Dudley nearly gets ran out of touch, and he comes straight at me. So I have to back back up. And I'm like, bro, we, these blokes are trying to kill me here. I'm just a lonely <laughs> boy. It's it's all against keys that they're sending the message. We can't bag anyone on the podcast. <laughs> Um, do we have anything to really say about the Titans except what we've always said, like in previous weeks? It's the same thing we say every week, isn't it? it? Unfortunately, like if this, they've got to when they're on, they've got good attacking structures. We saw this earlier in the year. 
Ofermo, he runs an amazing line, cracks the games open. Same as David Fafida, who, by his own standards, has been pretty quiet, but he's also been injured half the time. There's, yeah. Um, oh, chase the kicks. Uh, what was that today? Oh, just chase the kicks. Yes, 100%. Um, sharks versus rabbits. Okay, I didn't watch this game. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, okay. I did. Okay. Go hard, son. Wow. Uh, that was, it was a tie contest. Uh, up until the, so you just didn't know who was going to win it. Uh, you got that Tavita Totola try. Because when Andrew Fafita scored, you know, it's 13 minutes left. You're thinking, this game, it's, it's not going to do it, isn't it? Surely not. And then you get that Totola try, which was, you know, obviously people, they didn't know if it was going to be a try or not, but a part of the ball. I thought, I thought the video ref calling it was pretty weird. I thought that it was a try the first time that he hit the ground because part of the ball was touching the line. Mm-hmm. But they called it as the second time he went over and it was just momentum that carried him. I like the answer they got. I do think it was try. I just don't think it wasn't a try for the reasons they said. Yep. Um, other than that, that ending was, it was absolutely cracking. Holy fuck. Uh, I'm looking at the stats now. 231 run meters for Talakai. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But the ending, there were, both teams were missing field goals. Yep. Latrell, he, he was missing a few field goals, but they were, they were hard ones. Yeah. Um, they, I did see they weren't easy ones to hit. I did see something. They lose Judge Cartwright within 31 minutes of the game. Uh, yeah. He just gets uh, in within when, golden point. When Cartwright got injured, uh, Mitchell moved to the centers. Oh. And Nick Arima moved to fullback. Yeah, right. Uh, that was, I thought that took a bit of momentum out of the Rabbitohs because Latrell Mitchell being at fullback, you know, they, you have to send the ball all the way to an edge to get the ball to him at center. Whereas when he's fullback, he can go wherever he wants. Um, I would, it's pretty evident like when it happens, but you know, Cody Walker, he's a great player. However, when he gets to poops, so does yeah, his game. He, like he, yeah, um, frustrated and doesn't think. Um, I saw a video of like everyone shaking heads at the end of the game. He just brushes off Andrew, uh, not McInnes, sorry, Cameron McInnes. I'm like, yeah, what, um, what's that achieve, my boy? Look, I, I thought this was an all right game from Walker. Actually, uh, he had a line break. He set up a try. Uh, he ran the ball a bit. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was an alright game. Uh, Ilias, he, he took on a much bigger role with the kicking. Yep. Uh, Cody Walker took five of the kicks. Ilias took 14 of them. Uh, right. Forced a drop out. Or, yeah, one drop off or one drop out. Drop, um, one drop out. Four bombs, a crossfield kick. He, yeah, he got himself pretty involved in terms of that area of the game. He touched the ball 58 times as well, which is... You know, that's a lot by Ilias' standards. Yeah. So I think it's safe to say that a lot of confidence has come off him over that past game. And it would have been nice for him to get the win, I think. I really like Ilias. 
I think he's, especially the past few weeks, he's shown to be a bloody brilliant player. And now that he's getting that confidence in him, he's really going for it. Oh, yeah, like, honestly, a lot of, he's always going to be a player that need, like, that's going to have, like, a big shadow over him, and that's going to be Adam Reynolds. But he's improving. you got to give him that. Yeah, exactly. And, and the Rabbitohs you... have been getting better as the year goes on. Yeah, exactly. And I think Ilias himself, his improvement throughout the year, I think give it a few years, and he's he's definitely, he's their guy, I reckon. That Lachlan Ilias, if having Adam Reynolds, they wanted Adam Reynolds for this year. They wanted the, the team option for next year, but he wanted the security. That's fair game for Reynolds. But yeah, Ilias? He's, he's still got a family to provide, and he, you know, Early 30s, you know, yeah. a lot of players go now late 30s, you know, and we saw that with a couple of players. Um, yeah. Queensland 4, for instance. But, you know, things happen. Yeah. yeah. I um, think it's fair game to Reynolds, but I also think that it's, I don't think Souths have done the worst thing here, considering when we see the performances that Ilias is putting in. No. And I've had people like Luttrell, um, you know, he's great. I had someone say, ask me a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, well, asked, they basically said Latrell Mitchell is better than Tommy Turbo when they're both at peak performance. I'm like, I don't think. Nah. Nah. You don't think so? Nah. I, look, I love Latrell. Mm-hmm. He, he, I love watching him. He's absolute box office. He is one of the most devastating ball runners on the comp. Mm-hmm. But I think Tommy Turbo at his peak, we saw that last year. And that was probably one of the best individual seasons of all time in the NRL. Yeah. And I don't think that, because you have to remember that the Seagulls team, they were looking to be a bottom four team over that early course of the season. Yeah. And in the moment that Tommy Turbo comes in, they finished the year as a top four team. Now I'm conflicted. That's, I don't, yeah, I, I love the trail, but I yeah. think that it's easy to forget because of how turbulent Tommy's year has been this year. It's easy to forget just how dominant he was last year. Yeah. And if you saw that your team was playing the Seagulls, you know, you, you absolutely lost it. And also in origin, both of oh. them, absolutely, yeah, absolutely ridiculous in the centers. Oh, yeah. But I think Turbo, his ability to roam when he was in the center, illustrated his ability to ball play, his footy IQ, his support running. I think as Luttrell goes on, we will be able to make that comparison fairly. Yeah. But I think that Turbo's season last year just solidifies that I would I would go Turbo. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I, I so, agree. Yeah, like... You made some yeah. good points there, 100%. Uh, before we move on to the next game, which is Broncos Tigers, I have to show you something. We talk about Nico Hines. Oh, no, 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 no. We need, we need to talk you about Nico that? Hines. Oh. Do you know who that is? This, that's... Let me just get the image open now. That is... I can't see. It's it's not focusing. Can you tell us what you've got us on your phone, Keats? 
Um, it is, I'm going to send it to your Discord right now. It is the great Chad Townsend and Reese Robson. Uh, they're doing a sponsorship deal, it looks like, for Lambert's Meats. Oh. That's fantastic. Chad's got the players cap too. Okay, what is players? Because I'm so confused of what it is. Is it just like a golf thing he's doing? I, I yeah, it's golf. it's a brand that he's running with Val and Drinky. Or just like golf stuff. Yeah. Because uh, that's obviously that's what all the boys do when they're not playing footy. Yeah. They get together and they play golf. They make YouTube videos about it. It's that's obviously it's their thing that they do to unwind. They're having great fun yeah. with it. And Chad, he's Chad's always been a businessman. You know, he's run his Cronulla Brewery. He, he's constantly reading books about business. He, Chad Townsend is just, he's, yeah, he's a very smart man. He's a very prepared man. Um, and that's I'll just like what he out. does. So, yeah. Point out Robson's face. It is very, it's giving me Ratatouille vibes. It's very serious. It is very serious. I'm, he's, I, um, for. I'm going to post it on the page today. To yeah, post it on the page. The people deserve to see it. Yeah, 100%. Same in his players hat. That, that's he's, a, he's so committed to the brand. I got, um, because someone sent it to me on Snap, and I'm like, fuck, I'll show Jacob this. That's. Um, Nico Hines. With Nico it. Hines. Yeah, one try assist, one line break assist. He, and once again, it was just his game management. Yeah. He was so cool under pressure, this game. He... And for the amount just, of errors that I just saw on the NRL app, I think it was 19 errors. Yeah, it... And none of them came from Holmes. He was as cool as it could possibly be. He clutched the game with the field goal, if you watch the end of it. And once again, it's just, it's those little things. It's his line engagements. It's his kicking for position. He just does everything so well. And, he, you know, he reminds me of, you know, when you've got a guy like, you know, Thurston, or I'm not saying he's like on Thurston's level, but I'm trying to use him as an illustration as that kind of guy that when they're on, they can do absolutely everything. Yeah. They, they can spot the gaps and they can run. They can kick your team into a good position. They can click the field goals. They just do absolutely everything. And he's been an absolute treat to watch this year. You know, and he, he did it again. Well, I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, what is it? It's the, one. Well, it's week two of finals. They, they announced the top five for the Dally M. I would not be surprised if he's in there. Yeah, no, I, I'd be very happy to see him in there. I think he's earned it. I think he, the way he's been playing this year, phenomenal. Yep. Um, on to the next game. This was, this was a good one too. Yeah. So I would just like to point out that I, on the podcast last week, I mentioned that the way the Tigers were playing was a lot like 21 Rabbits as they would use their lock as first receiver a fair bit. And, you know, that is fair because Jackson Hastings touches the ball a lot. Um, yeah. so it's fair to make that assumption that, you know, the lock will touch it. Uh, what they did against Cowboys too, is they, and the Bronx, they stripped them for numbers on the left side. On, on, yeah. On the, on I the, think if, 
Yeah, I think I did an analysis on this on the Cowboy Stampede forum. And what they're able to do is they're, they're realizing that the ruck markers are not moving across quickly. And because of that, it means that the defensive line can't set itself to get those numbers right. And the way that they get it off to that first receiver and they play it around the back to the second receiver who, because of the line runners, they make sure that the line stays compressed. So they can't just shift otherwise because they've got to cover the short ball. So they use those line runners to specifically get to those numbers. And Luke Brooks, for all we've criticized him, against the Cowboys, he actually did a fantastic job at exposing that. 100%. He he knew where to get the ball. And this is this is the good version of Luke Brooks that we were seeing at the time. And he was playing fantastic footy on that left side when they were setting up the tries. So this week, uh he wasn't there. It was Jock Madden. Madden. Jock Madden played an absolutely fantastic game, I thought. Um, he, he's played in every single Tigers win this season, I believe. Fascinating. I just, just saying, putting it out there, uh, if Luke does not return for next year's season with the Tigers, I think you have your replacement uh, impact. Yeah, well, he's pretty young. He's 23, but... Jock Madden, it was just the good decisions that he was making when he had the ball in hand. He he did a pretty solid job at kicking. He, you know, he had diverse kicking, kicked a few bombs, kicked a few crossfield kicks. You know, he, he didn't make any errors. He just came across as a guy that he was nice and calm. His engagements, the way that he was setting up the tries, well, not really setting up the tries, but the way that he was the ball playing, where he was shifting the ball, he had a solid running game too, ran for 74 meters. Yep. And he, because he had two line break assists this game. So, you know, he was putting his guys into open space. I was very, very impressed with Jock Madden this game, especially considering that he was just kind of thrown in when you know, the Luke Brooks injury happens. I think as sad as it is to see Luke Brooks go out, because obviously you never want to see a player go injured. Um, it's going to be very exciting to see what Jock Maddie can do over the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a lot more, he'll, he'll play a lot more first receiver now that, uh, Hastings is gone. Yeah. And he's been replaced with Fanua Pole, who is him. very much, I love him too, but he's, he's a now, now ball runner. He's the middle forward that runs the ball. He's not really that linking man that Hastings was. Hastings was running the ball quite well, surprisingly. Okay. Often Gowie, I think he's playing prop, isn't he? Yeah, I I just thought uh, you've mentioned it previously on the podcast. His offload is a uh, really good for uh, Tigers. So he's one of their better middle forwards. Yeah, and you know you've got to remember he was a Queensland representative player at one stage, and he definitely earned it. He's I've loved his performances for the Tigers this year. In a very beaten forward pack, I think he stuck out as one of the better players, as Fanua Pole has done the past few weeks. And obviously, you can see the difference that it made to the West Tigers team. Because we're talking about that that Broncos team, Payne Haas, Tom Flegler, Patrick Carrigan, and you've got Corey Jensen coming off the bench. That's those, Those are some of the best middle forwards in the game. And they took it to them. They, they got the win. Nearly every single one of my origin representatives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Blake is, Haas is, 
Carrigan is, Jensen isn't. That's all three of their starting middles have played Origin before. And then you've got Capel in the second row. That's Reynolds steering them around. That's that was a pretty big win for the Tigers. And yeah. it was off the back of a bloody good game. I thought Dewey was fantastic. Dewey's I think that was one of stick of these past two weeks. He yeah, as soon as you put him in five eight, he knows exactly what to do. You know, I, I um, criticised him for his mentality, saying I, I ever want to play five eight or put me in reserve grade. You know, maybe a bit spiteful, maybe a bit childish, but, but it's look, paying off. It's it, paying off. Yeah. It I also want to say I thought that James Tarmo had a fantastic game. He's another player where I've criticised at times, but that that was one of James Tarmo's better games. He was running the ball well. He was getting a pretty quick play the ball for a forward. Uh, 3.37 seconds on average. That was, yeah, I just think it was one of Tamo's better games. He had two offloads as well. He made 17 tackles, still missed three, but it was, it was one of his better games. I liked what I saw from him in that game. You could see that the uh, losing to the Cowboys in that controversial win really put something in that, like, he got a fire in him and it was like, here, like that was yeah. last week, you know. And maybe there's a few calls that rent the Tigers' ray that was 50 50. You know, that's good, you know. That ha- um, they've still got to execute, they still got to execute, and they, they, did. they did that, yeah. Uh, Hastings had the most run meters for the Tigers as well with 157. What's I think that's what's impressed me the most since his shifting to lock the fact that he's been running the ball straight and so well. And so I think that's been really good for their attack because Hastings, he obviously he can play quite well as a half, but because he goes straight up the middle and he always plays first receiver, it gets pretty predictable. When the Tigers play, you know the ball's going straight to him. And if you get that shoveling, then the ball goes to Brooks and you know that you can pressure him. But Hastings in the middle, he played fantastic. It, it's so unfortunate that he's been really good all season and now... He's injured and he won't play for the rest of it. You know, uh, we got five games left of the regular season, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. It's gone, you know, it's coming up fast. Pretty much. So. There's it's not really much that can be said for the Broncos in this game either. Um, they just, whatever they were doing well, just got outdone by the Tigers because it wasn't, it wasn't a bad game. No. They just, the Tigers were just, they were up for it. You know, they were they were chasing their kicks. They were they had great line speed. Their forwards were running hard. And they, they were just making smart decisions with the footy. You know, Dewey was up for it. Jock Madden was he was fantastic. It, it was just a good a great performance from them, really. And onto that we've got the next game. Uh boy. So there's a lot to unpack. Here, not as a game stand, as a game standpoint, but what I did not like is what was said in the press conference. Uh, yeah, I think everyone's seen it. Or heard Adam it. O'Brien, yeah, yeah, O'Brien saying four premierships. They're mm. saying it's you, not me, and that's. I don't understand what he. Why would it? Yeah, it just. What's the point? It's just. It makes your players feel worse about themselves. You know, none of them are going to be going away from that saying, wow, Adam's a really respectable guy. I want to 
I want to play harder for him. They're going to think, wow, get a load of this guy. You know, he, yeah, he, he's not out there on the fields with us. He, and you know, Wayne Bennett, Todd Payton, any good coach in the NRL, you know, none of them say something like that. You know, you never, even Craig Bellamy with like one of the all time press conference meltdowns, you know, he looks like he was playing the bloody Joker in a movie a few weeks ago. And even he, he didn't pull any, oh, these players aren't firing up. He didn't throw, it was just, I couldn't stand it. You know, especially when you've got the amount of guys who have had their issues with confidence, like Jake Clifford. Like, like Peyton and Bellamy can be hard asses, but that's when they need to be. It doesn't look like yeah. Adam O'Brien is yeah. a hard ass, but the thing is, if you're a hard ass, you have to be respected. Yeah. And Peyton and, uh, Bellamy, when they're talking about things, they're very specific about it. And they're talking about footy, mm. you know, Todd Payton, he wasn't like, oh, you know, I was part of the Cowboys 2015 coaching squad. The players are the problem. Like he was specific about it. He didn't blow smoke up his own ass. He was just like, all right, you know, Jason Tamalolo, you know, when he called him out, he was like, yeah, Jace had a few moments where he was not putting in defensively. From his marker defense, he wasn't moving quick enough, and he was very specific about it. And he he kind of backtracked on it and said he didn't really want to put Jace out there like that. But he was specific about it, and he was talking about footy. Whereas O'Brien, where did any of that come from? What what do your four premierships have anything to do with the eighty minutes that just happened? Yep. Like it's it's not like he was head coaching them either. No, he was background. Yeah, exactly. You know, if if backgrounds premierships started to count for things, can you imagine how much bragging rights so many rookie coaches for that? Like Holbrook isn't how you saying, Oh, I won all these super league premierships, so it's everyone else's fault. Mm. You know, like it's it's just such a brain dead thing to say. And especially because, you know, like we said, the, the confidence of a lot of these players. You know, a lot of these guys, they're And you look more like a tool when you go, when the bloke who just scored three tries on you and you say, I didn't see the potential and that's it. I'm like, why the hell would you say that in the just, press? You make yeah. your club look like an idiot. You make yourself look like an idiot. And then it just fires up Karaz even more. Yeah, exactly. Well, Karaz, he, he's been a bloody good player. Oh. He has been outstanding. He had 259 run meters for them. Only nine of them were from kick returns. So that's 250 meters of 21 runs just in general play. He had three line breaks. Obviously, he bags the hat trick, busted seven tackles, three offloads. This, that, just a ridiculous game. Like, and just to put into perspective how well that him and the rest of the Bulldogs backline had. Josh Adokar had the least meters out of their back five. How much did he have? A hundred. <laughs> and that's so that's beat. yeah, exactly. That's that's a pretty solid benchmark. So the it's just it was one of the all time worst press conferences, I think. And it was coming off the back of a few weeks ago, like a month ago, where he had another shocking one too. So 
with no, O'Brien. He's had a few this season. He has had a few this season. It was just, he just kept going on about how they didn't have the personnel. It was personnel, personnel, personnel. But it's like, t- talk about the footy. Because, you know, don't, don't just keep saying that your players aren't good enough. You're just throwing them under the bus. Um, it's And it's the same thing that's happened again here. Why would the players fire up if their coach just does that to them? I just searched it up because I was, because like, honestly, after that, I would be very surprised if his job's not on the line. I know we don't yeah. have to speculate about these things, but honestly, when it gets this bad, you have to start thinking that. Yeah, exactly. It's because, you know, O'Brien, he's, he's done some good things with the club over the past few years. I mean, obviously they made finals last year, but you can't just keep blaming personnel. You have to, you have to get your team to believe in themselves and just saying that they're, the players aren't good enough. It's, it's just depressing to hear as a footy player, you know, if someone just walks up to you and says, you're not good enough. We need other players. What are you going to do for the rest of the season? Not, not everyone has it in them to just instantly switch on and do that. Obviously people, we hold that as a good attitude, but some players just aren't like that. There's yeah. been some great players all time that are really built on their belief. You know, look at Jamie Soward, who he was a confidence player. Who else? Milford. He's a confidence player. Who else is a co- There's so many confidence players. This is coming. So I just looked it up. Uh, yeah. contract. Uh, this comes from the 13th of May, so a couple of months ago, from Newcastle yeah. CEO Philip Gardner. Uh, security hasn't changed in light of the club's recent form. With his current contract expiring in 2024, there's no doubt in my mind that Adam O'Brien is the right coach for us. Things may have changed since May, just saying. Yeah, um... I, yeah, I don't, I could go on for a long time about the Knights' woes, but one thing I just do want to say is Jake Clifford, he's been bagged a lot for this game. Uh, I think he had a few coach-killing errors, but I think other than that, he also had some pretty promising moments as well. And considering the circumstances of which he was thrown into it, it's actually a massive mystery. Um, he's been selected again for the team this week, but there's no word on why Clune was dropped, really. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Speaking of Clune, uh, oh, speaking of dropped players, did you see the David Clement news? Yeah. Was he dropped? Is that what happened? He was dropped for off, for on-field behavior. On-field behavior. Let me get. Or do you mean off-field behavior? No, on-field. That's, that's so fascinating. Literally what it said. Um, this is kind of fascinating. I thought. Jake Clifford, his, he had a few promising moments. He forced a dropout early in the game. That dropout then led to them scoring a try. When they scored the try, it was from Jake Clifford hitting his center with a pass who was then able to get to the winger. And that, you know, it compressed that overlap and it got him to, to be in space. There was a nice short ball to Frizzell at one stage as well. Um, he did drop the ball after that though, Clifford on the next play. I thought that that was, that was an equal game of Clifford's good and his bad. Yeah. And I'm happy to see that he got selected again this week. Uh, because, 
uh, West Tigers. I think it's the Tigers. Yeah. I hope Clifford has a good game. I, I think this is, it's his chance to basically grab onto the game and because he's, there's no denying his talent. He, you know, back in 2019, he out game managed Cooper Cronk. Yeah. Uh, and he kicked the field goal to win it. And that's, you know, if you, if you had a list of halfbacks that out game managed Cooper Cronk, it would be, it would be a very, very small one. Yeah. Yep. So to get his name on that list shows that if you tell Clifford to own the team, he can do a lot. And yep. that's why I'm happy to see him named at seven and not six. Um, so I have the article from the Newcastle Knights themselves. Yeah. The NIB Newcastle Knights have issued David Clemmer with a show cause notice relating to on-field disciplinary matters in last Sunday's match against the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. No further correspondence will be entered into until the show cause hearing process has been complete, completed. Uh, and then if I... So he did something on the field against the Bulldogs that's going to make them consider firing him. Uh, this is what, and then for my other source... This is what it says. It is understood Clemmer was breached for behavior on the field. He failed to come off in the dying stages of their loss to Canterbury. He also abused an on-field trainer. From the Daily Telegraph. Okay. Okay. Just the four. So, so, so we got subbed off, but he didn't want to come off. Yes. Okay. Somewhat justifiable. I think no player should be bigger than the team. And obviously while Clemmer has been a... Obviously, he's been a fantastic forward for them. I think culture is also a very important thing in a team. And obviously, if you've got your coach being Adam O'Brien and you've also got Clemmer who doesn't want to come off the field and is abusing your officials, the combination of those two, I think it makes sense why you see how miserable some of the nice players look out there. You know, there's that talk of wanting to go to power yeah. Dying stages of the uh, season. Uh, all right. Funny story. Jacob, tell him what happened. Uh, so basically, my phone went flat when I was in the middle of ranting about David Clemmer and basically I spent three minutes talking to absolutely nothing. I didn't realize the phone was flat. Oh, you love that. We love. Human, it happens. Pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty bad recording this app, but I guess it let me clarify my thoughts a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think if it is the case he's abusing on field official, then that's that's pretty reasonable for the Knights. I think it's good of them to have an investigation. Um, because once again, we don't like talking about these things. It's not really footy related, but you know the the culture of a footy team is, especially if you're a losing footy team, it's one of the most important things. Yeah. You know, we see the Cowboys losing with. Um, you know, they, they were losing and they didn't really, cause Michael Morgan had just retired and no one really knew what was happening direction wise, but you see Chad Townsend come in and he's been that cooling influence. He's obviously, he's very committed and prepared to his footy. So he's inspiring a lot of the other guys to be the same way about how they're treating themselves yeah. and how their mentality is towards it. So, yeah, obviously, I think that's probably a decent decision from the Knights to not have him play and to look into it because you don't want players to be bigger than the team. You don't want players to think that they can be abusing staff and all that because at the end of the day, everyone's on the same team. They all want to win from the coach down to the players, down to the staff. Yeah, 
hundred percent. Um, we'll move on from the Knights because honestly, yeah. that's just depressing. Even Cliffo's a bit yeah. depressed. Uh, from oh, a- he's, he, he, he's looked like it for a long time and yeah. I don't think it's Clifford's fault. No. Uh, I feel so sorry for Clifford. He, he goes to the team. He's promised a starting spot. Then out of nowhere, Anthony Milford gets signed. Bloons, the guy they pick for halfback. Clifford is just left in the middle of nowhere. So I'm glad to see him get the um, halfback spot this week. Hope he kills it. Um, what else is there to say? Holy crap, Burton and Josh Adokar. It's been done to death, but they are doing so much within one season. What they are. Five, eight, um, and wingers couldn't do in five years together. Yeah. Josh Adokar is, he's not just a winger. He's so much more than a good winger. He was one of those players where people joked about it being a holiday for him to just kick paid and not have to work in September. But my God, his defensive communication, if you rewatch the game against the Knights, the camera picks up, the camera and the mic pick up so much of his directions. Every time that someone kicks, he's yelling out chip and chase. He's getting everyone turned around. He, he's one of the most vocal wingers I think I've ever seen. I think we it's, saw that in the mic up Benji they did a couple of weeks ago. We did. And you know, it wasn't just a one-off. He keeps doing it. He brings so much energy and intensity and to that team. And obviously, people have a lot of respect for him. And it's working. Yeah. Because right. obviously, you see the turnaround in the Bulldogs' form. You know, I just thought when he was at Storm last year that he was just this larrikin who didn't really like air a, mu- a lot and just wanted to have fun. I was completely wrong. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people didn't really understand. I think we all we all got it wrong with Adokar. He, his maturity and care for his team, he has been such a good on-field leader, I think. And that's that's one of my favorite things about the signings of this year. There's so much emphasis on leadership and steering the ship around. Yeah. You know, no one, you've got your brilliant players, but we're not talking about, because remember a few years ago, you know, all the big signings that we were talking about, it was your your James Roberts's, your Ash Taylor's, just these really promising guys. But when it comes to this year, we're talking about the guys who are yelling out the directions, steering out the team, focusing on the one percenters. It's was no. like Chad, Reynolds, Josh. It, and it's fantastic. It's no longer about the people who have flashy potential that can do great things. Yeah. It's about game now it's like yeah those people who need to step up and lead a team around you uh yeah like you said this is a great season to demonstrate that yeah those three people you mentioned they've changed their team so much you know yeah. one of them still may be bottom eight but it's still an improvement for last year yeah they're not spooners and it's also so fascinating that we're saying this about Josh Adokar because he's still a highlight player. Mm. He's still walks off us, but it's not that that gets him over the line. Yeah. Uh, no. You know, he doesn't do what he does because he's mega fast. It's because he's always competing. He's trying to get himself into everything. You know, in defense, he's making every tackle he can. He constantly yelling instructions massive defensive communicator constantly yelling out boys chip and chase bring the energy not a whole he he just does all the hard things well for a winger and you can see that it's really rubbing off on the guys like Karaz 
shop or the other backline players. Eating these blokes gay. Yeah. He's showing them this is you wanna you wanna play well, this is how we do it at the Melbourne Storm. That's that's what he's come to Canterbury and what he's showing them. I'll mention that Mike Tupper is coaching on the field. He is much like Chad. Yeah, except he's a wigger. He's not a spine player. He's not calling the plays. He He's playing heads up when he does. But other than that, he's doing all the fundamental things right. And I absolutely love George Adokar for that reason. He's not just some dynamic runner. He's a full package. So we'll finish off with the last game of the round. Uh, Jacob loved it, loved it. Um, we haven't mentioned your player of the round, so we haven't. Jeremiah Nanai, um, and it's the things that Jeremiah Nanai does that people don't really understand. Uh, his vision for the game and his efforts in defense to shut down playmakers. He's done it to Mitch Moses, who you spoke about as your player of the round. He's done it to Adam Reynolds, who is one of the best playmakers in the NRL. And this week, he did it to Ben Hunt, who is pretty much at this stage the consensus Dally M medalist, uh, if he continues his current form. He does a fantastic job uh, getting himself in front of the playmaker. He always disrupts the play. People, they misunderstand Nanai. They look at his missed tackles numbers and they think that it makes him a bad defender. But if you're thinking that, you couldn't be more wrong. His ability to get in front of the seven, the ball carrier, cut them off, make them rush a decision, break up the play, get a hit on them, he does it all. And he breaks up the play for them so much. And he's not just scoring off kicks anymore either. You know, he's breaking the game open when he, he's making reads of the defensive line, making those inside steps. And drink water support running, he's always there and he knows to get the ball off to him. He's got a great draw and pass. Drinky fantastic gift for the game. Yeah. Drinky Drinky had his comeback game too. That was fantastic. He was playing with confidence. And I want to say about Scott Drinkwater, this is mega important too. So last year he kind of had these situations where he would fade in and out of games. Um, depending on how confident he is. And sometimes he'd be more reserved. He wouldn't be as risky. He, he'd take it down. Yeah. Uh, um, what we're seeing from Drinkwater this year is he's not taking as risky plays. Um, not, not at least in the sense he did last year. They're more calculated risks. But when things aren't going his way, he doesn't put the, he doesn't put the gun back in its holster. He... He gets straight back to it and he keeps going. And we saw that on the weekends. He came out with intention. He went looking for the ball. He touched the ball heaps. And he, he played that game on his terms. 100%. Yep. Um, look, to shut down Hunt was really big. You know, he had three runs, three runs in the first half. That's Hunt. For someone who touches the ball as much as Jackson Hastings. Um, yeah, well, he's, he's second most for receptions. He's the Broncos, they not the Broncos, the the Dragons. They basically are Ben Hunt. That's that's what the consensus is about them. And for them to be able to shut down Ben Hunt the way that he did, for Jeremiah Nanai to put in that performance, you got to remember this guy's nineteen. He's Hastings' years, Colts' age. 
it, it was it was good to see you know and then i i spoke about him earlier at school boys yeah to see someone like this who just like to get Dally M second row of the year alongside Kikau, in my opinion. Yeah. It's really great to see. And it don't give him a lot of confidence boost. Uh, I believe he came out today and said, oh, I want to repay the club and I want to continue and I want to stay in Townsville. I want another contract. Yeah. And I, I'd love that because the thing is that Nanai, he's not done yet in terms of developing his game. There's so much that we haven't actually seen with Nanai yet. And we were saying this a few weeks ago, and that came out again on the weekends. No one thought of Jeremiah having his footwork and his ball playing as being a key element, but that's what he did. Um, he had this reputation as being the guy that catches kicks. He hasn't done that in a while now. Um, continue, he's continuously evolving. Um, I will say exactly. That yeah, they did look they they look flat in the first couple of minutes of the game. And yep. then when they were coming back from half time, they were very frantic. Yeah, uh, things looked a bit wild, and I think that was that was the biggest issue against the Tigers. It you got the impression that they were trying to score every play, mm-hmm. and while you have brilliance in the team like Drinky, like Dearden, obviously there's a lot of players who can create something out of nothing, but. You know, when we're winning the games, we're not playing like that. It's off building pressure, kicking to the corners. Um, but if you saw, if you follow 95 North, uh, the podcast, they, Tunza or Jake. Yeah, it'd be Tunza. Um, yep. He put out three things. He does it every week for the Cowboys game. He put up my three things, actually. And I said, yeah, he looked pressure off early kicks. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't necessarily do that. I saw, but still gained pressure and it worked. You know, the yeah. five of dragons was very limited in what they can do. Uh, Lomax had a couple good moments, but Moses and by at dummy at fullback. So wasn't yeah, as, I, as Cody Ramsey would have been, I think. Yeah. I, I feel bad for Moses cause he, he really does give it his crack. Oh. He does whatever the coach, he does it, whatever the coach asks him to. He, he's a guy that leads by example, you know, Benji Marshall, Jake friend, they have said that people see him as a leader in whatever club he's in. And that's obviously, that's a massive rap, especially coming from those two. So yeah, I'm, I'm very much promo to send by. Yeah. So he, he's doing, he did everything he could, but obviously, you know, specialist fullbacks are going to be more suited for the job in that regard. Yeah, agreed. Um, I will say, uh, one of my notes, Anne Woods is an NPC. <laughs> um, I, you know, we all saw that game against Titans at Magic Round where he just didn't look yeah, at the, the glitch moment. He just fell over and I'm like, what are you doing, my boy? <laughs> um, I just want to ask your opinion on this deep thing. Yeah. The refs let. The dragons win the rock. Oh, I, I think they were scared to kind of give calls in the Cowboys' favor. Yeah, I, I think yeah, they. Yeah, I think it was in. Yeah, and I don't think it was like some intentional thing. I think it was just, 
you know, being a referee, having all that talk around the game, you, you try to, Limit. you don't want people to think that you're biased. And that's, yeah. uh, the Cowboys, they handled it well. Um, and obviously it's, it's going to happen, but if, um, just going to look up is average plated ball speed. What's the same? It was, yeah. Um, yeah. Big mention was that Ruben Cotter returned from his hamstring. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to mention that Ruben Cotter, there's a very small technical aspect in his game that is one of the big things that helps the Cowboys. So his tackling technique, and this is something I want to talk about in the Knights and Bulldogs game just briefly. Notice whenever winning your tackles, something you spoke about in origin, getting the guys onto their back, making sure you can set the defensive line. The Knights weren't doing it all. Uh, every single, there was one set where every single tackle, the Bulldogs, they were tackled on their front and got up to play the ball. Now, Ruben Cotter, he never lets this happen. Never. His, his tackling technique is absolutely perfect. He makes great first contact, but the way that he gets his guys to the ground, the way he gets them on their backs, and then the way that we peel off the ruck, it's perfect. And it helps our edge defense so much. Because like we spoke about with the Tigers game last week, it wasn't a matter of bad defensive decisions on the edge. It was a matter of not having the numbers. Yeah. Um, and when you're able to buy that extra few milliseconds of time in the play the ball, it lets you reset your numbers and adjust better for the next phase of play. Agreed. Um, defensively, he is so strong for the Cowboys. Uh, this is from our mutual friend, Josh. Uh, I like to call him my little analysis buddy because he gives me all the analysis cops gossip. He's fantastic. Oh yeah. His brain and numbers is amazing. Uh, tr so this is what he sent me, uh, Sunday night in the second half and Cotter plays, they concede three points on average. When he doesn't play, they concede 8.5 points in the second half. Uh, wow. So then also. Uh, all game, uh, they, when Cotter is playing, they concede on average 13. When he isn't playing, an average of 17. It's it's a massive difference. It's it's a try every game, yeah, basically. And that's... And you see it in the specifics in his game, the way that he tackles, the way that he gets those things sorted. And it's so important in terms of setting that defensive line like I spoke about. His light speed is amazing too. Another thing, absolute competitor. Another thing, like I know, um, say if Origin's over, we missed Cotter in game two. We had to adapt in game three, and we did it. Um, one yeah, thing well, it's... I saw though within this game, and you point out, everyone points it out in the Discord. Is Muzz injured? Do you... Yeah, he. He seemed a little off, but I, yeah, I don't know if it's an injury or if it, he kind of seemed a bit wonky just coming back from COVID in general. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just a matter of building match fitness or, yeah, I'm not really the expert in that regard. He, he does seem a bit off. Uh, Kyle felt like we looked more off, more enough to be. Yeah, his hamstring. Uh, this week. So in that Dragons game, we saw something interesting happen with Hammer. So... He came on, but he didn't directly replace Fell on the right wing. He came into right center, and Pedahiku went into right wing. 
Now, obviously, it's named that he's at wing this week, but I think there's a chance that we see them changing roles a bit during the game because both of them are good centre defensive decision makers, both Hammer and Hiku on that right side. But having Hiku at wing, it does a few things. It lets Hammer closer to the inside of the field so yeah. he can go looking for the ball, he can roam a bit, make those inside cuts. You know, he always runs way more when he's in center. He ran for 85 minute meters despite only playing for like 20 minutes against the Dragons. Uh, then we're looking at Petahiku, who he has his strengths in defensive reads, but his biggest strength is actually his carries with the ball. Um, last time I checked, he was actually towards the top five in the amount of runs taken by all players in the NRL. Wow. And that's... Very impressive. He's he's an absolute workhorse, Pedahiku. So there's a couple of plays where he comes from the right hand side to the left hand side. Uh, been a yeah, exactly. To and he doesn't do it as much now, but it's it's still fantastic to show his work rate. And I think in the idea of him on the wing, I really like it because if he's closer to that back play on fourth and fifth tackle. It means that he can be one of the first caps off the rank to take those hit-ups. And he's a massive, strong body. It also means that the next guys to take it can be Holmes and Talangi. And by that stage, the middles are back in play. So with Hammer and his frame, his hit-ups have been a weakness. But if you have him at center and Hiku in wing, you don't lose anything in terms of carries, but you gain something in terms of having Hammer in the middle of the field, being able to cut in. Yeah. That, that's a really good and, Yeah, and I think the only weird bit is that you would miss Hiku's defensive decision-making at centre, but Hammer is still a good decision-maker as a centre. Yeah. He, he's not a bad defender. I know that he always has this reputation as having attacking flair, but you know, as a fullback, he was a fantastic defensive organiser for us. We were not conceding many points with him at fullback because Hammer was organising the line like a complete veteran. And, you know, his same defensive decision-making comes in when he's a center. So if we do see Hiku in the wing and Hammer cutting inside, I, I think I'm very happy for that. I, I can see that. That's a great point. Um, reverse dog, reverse doggies in Bundibur, Bundibur, I believe. Yeah. So that'll be a good point. That'll be an amazing game. Josh Hanukkah. Uh, and Burton up against. Yeah. The, the, the rematch of round one. Yeah. And that both teams have come such a long way since then. 100%. Uh, there's one thing I wanted to ask and I forgot about. I took yep. out. Yeah. We also saw Jeremiah and I, you mentioned him, player of the round for you. Yep. Does he star for the Kangaroos or is he? At like 17 for the Kangaroos. I, I think he's earned it. Yeah, I, I 100%. I think, I think there's some fantastic second rowers in the game. But I think Jeremiah and I, you know, he's an origin winning second rower. Mm. He, he wasn't one of the starting second rowers, but if you pack out those first two spots, I think a lot of people have Cam Murray as being at 11. Yep. Um, and I, I don't know. Yeah, but like it, it, it'd be really hard to fit him in. But I think fitting him in would be good. 
But you got to also remember, Angus Crichton didn't start. He was on the bench for most of Origin. Yeah, as was Nanoi. And yeah, well, Nanoi in Game Three, and he did excellent. Um, yeah, he was he was a key part of a winning team. One, that's what he was. Sixty out of sixty, sixteen tries in sixteen games is as much as any forward uh, this year. He's yeah. towards that second row. Uh, yeah. So, undoubtedly, you have to include him. Like, you know, he's already yeah. found his loyalty to uh, Australia because he did play for Queensland. He's, and he's come out and said, I'm going to play for Kangaroos. So, yeah, well, the thing is, you know, we mentioned these try-scoring stats, but that's not actually what impresses me the most with Nanoi. It's just the fundamentals of his game, the way that he competes in his kick chases, the way that he, you know, he rattles playmakers. He gets in their faces. He doesn't let them make decisions. And, you know, two occasions this year, he he's basically just, he's got two ribbons on his wall with the names Adam Reynolds on them. <laughs> that, that's what he's got. And that's, there are no other people in the NRL that really have that. If that's the case, Val Holmes has Katoni uh, Stagg's jerseys framed he, and in his bedroom. <laughs> he does indeed. Uh, and that's like it's two. It's free. Broncos uh, game one, save origin game one, Broncos game two. Yeah, and then there's the preseason as well. Lord, did that really count so much? But you, he's, he's got four of them. Yeah, we can just oh, yeah. this this the casual. Um, yeah, that's. I think Holmes should absolutely be the centre for sure. I don't think anyone is. Oh, no. it's a weird one, isn't it? I was just thinking about the other day with a couple of mates. Turbo and Latrell. Well, I was, because we were all thinking about Dally M's, you know, coming up close and we were speaking yeah. about a taste even in Dally M. I go, all right, that's the case. Who's Dally M T? We put Teddy at fullback. Um, Get to that. Teddy at fullback. I would be more than happy to see Adokar in wing. Um, Adokar in wing. Um, uh, Holmes for center for me. Second center. He might. Manu, probably. Manu, that's it. That's who I was thinking of. Manu. And then the only problem he had with Manu was some of his Dalian points would come back in 5 8. Yeah, exactly. It's going to make things a bit weird. Second. Um, Cobo, second week, yeah, the Cobo, either Cobo or Bizza, uh, and then there's Taylor Mays, yeah, uh, yeah, he is. Um, five and you got money five eight, Joey. I reckon Burton, quite, he, I think he will get it. Munster and Van, all going for that, yeah, uh, no, that'll be pretty good. Uh, uh, and we've got or even even Kiri, if he adds a bit of game, he, he played a lot of halfback and has missed some. Half, um, halfback, whoever can get to the... Cleary or Hunt? My... Oh, Hunt. Easy. It'll be Hunt. Yeah. Um, top of the year. Tarpany and Cotter? Yeah, Tarpany, Cotter, Haas, maybe. Um, yeah. Okay, that's going to be a... Yeah, I, I'm happy to say happy. Yeah, either happy or Reese. Um, second rowers we have. Nanai, please. Nanai and kick out and then lock. 
Carrigan. Oh, yo, of course. Why? I don't know what. My brain jumped. I, I love Carrigan, but yo. That's a pretty solid Dally M team. Yeah, and most of them being Australian reps. Yeah. Um. Do we have anything else you would like to add before we go? Not really. We'll just have to do our tips, won't we? Yes. Um. Let's see. Get the NRL up. All right. First game, we have the Broncos versus the Roosters. Oh. I got Chooks. Where's it, where's it being played? Sydney Cricket Camp. I'll go Chooks. Yeah. Uh, especially with Cowgan out now. Um, yeah, exactly. I think Broncos, their middles will fire up a bit, but the yeah. Roosters. You know, next, next man up totally for Broncos. They, they still yeah. have it. Uh, yeah. Storm, Titans, Storm. Yeah, I'll go Storm. Uh, I, I would have tipped Titans, but, you know, Toby Sexton, obviously. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I would have, I would have, yeah, uh, I would have picked Storm. Manly versus Eagles. I got Eels. Manly versus Eagles. Oh, we, I'm so dumb. Uh, Manly they get it, Eagles. They get oh, um, where's it being played? Four points, so book fail. I'm, I'm going to go for Manly in this one. Yeah. Uh, Even off the Eels game last week, I think the Eels, they, they just have it in them to up and down and I think without Moses as well yeah that's true oh I'm still going to stick with Eels but I think they can do it they have that grit and det- I, I still have Jake Arthur Belieber let's go Belieber. um Rabbits first Warriors Rabbits yeah I'll go Rabbits um Canberra versus Penrith is it being played in Canberra it's being played in Canberra I'm at Canberra yeah, I'm going to go Raiders. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say Raiders. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, Sean O'Sullivan, we said he's a great halfback. Um, I think it will be a bit clunky with that, really, though. Yeah, that'll be it. It'll be building those combinations, getting that sorted. That'll be a bit clunky. Sharks versus Dragons. I got Sharks. Yep, Sharks. Bulldogs versus Cows. I got Cows. It's in Bundaberg. Cows. Yep. Ground, basically. Uh, Tigers, Knights. I got Knights. No, ha- no Hastings. We see. Yeah, that's happens, but there's no Hastings in the team. Yeah. Um. Jeez, that's that's gonna be a rough one. Um. I think I'm gonna go Tigers on this one. Just because you know Tigers, as much as Hastings has been very important for them, I just think they're gonna fire up. Yeah, that's. I think. I think they'll fire up and more than the Knights will. Especially with the Knights missing Clemmer, who even, yeah, despite the circumstances of him not being in the team, which aren't great, uh, yeah. yeah, I just don't know if they're going to be able to. Yeah, that's true. You know what? I'm going to go Tigers because of their middle forwards and Clemmer's like the only the real one. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, well, because with the Knights, they've also got two utilities on their bench, really, between Sasagi and. They do. Crosslands. So that's... No Kurt Man. No Kurt Man. Uh, that's... Yeah, that's that's pretty fascinating. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought that Man at 13 and having Clifford included in the halves with Pong out the back was one of the best... Um, it, was, it was one of the best combinations they could have had with their personnel, but... 
100%. They haven't gone with that, and that's, like I said, it's what it is. And also no KP. Uh, yeah. Always good. Anyways, I think that will wrap us out up for this week. Anything you would like to say? Uh, just go Jake Clifford. I hope he has a good game on the weekend. Also, um, if you, I think we're going to put it in, um, we have new music to start us off, uh, but it's actually made by Jacob himself. Oh yeah, that is, that is true. Um, um, Rick, I, I make beats. Jacob. Yeah. Uh, Jacob made this beat on Instagram and in there is obviously a link to a SoundCloud every now and then I'll post a beat on there. But yeah, that is, that is something I do. And as always, uh, you can always follow us on Rugby League Talks on Instagram. And we do now have a Twitter. So I have been tweeting as... Uh, on Loving our footy on all platforms. Yep. Um, TikTok soon. We're going to... Uh, Hell yeah. Stitch the Nathan Cleary TikTok dance in my... <laughs> I'm going to get Jacob to do it. We'll see if we can get a shout out from Aaron Woods. <laughs> Anyways, guys, what do we love? Our footy. We love our footy. Thanks, everyone.